Hello everyone, we are in no means experts on any of the topics we are about to discuss. We are, however, lifelong friends, along with the slew of guests we will have joining us. There's nothing more we love to do than to voice our opinions on multiple topics. Some of you will agree with us, some of you won't. We could honestly not care either way, we just hope you enjoy the banner. So, without further ado, we encourage you to sit back, relax, and welcome to the chat. I am your host, Mike McCall, with my ever-so-lovely co-host... <laughs> Jared Trudeau, hello. Boom. Uh, <laughs> so we are not joined by any guests for this one. It's it is a it is an OG Treads and McCall adventure for this episode. I like that. Mix it up, everyone. Yeah, we gotta mix it up, you know. Uh, so, and before we get any further, for all of you college football fans. <laughs> I must I must celebrate because we are recording this at nine o'clock Central Standard Time, the day that Tennessee beat Alabama. So me being the Tennessee boy that I am, must with pride. <laughs> with pride, you say. Hey. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> For those of you who don't know or couldn't piece that together, that is the Tennessee fight song because go Rocky Top, suck it, Bama. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Bro, I so, was... <laughs> I, like I said before, like we started recording, I don't really follow college football too much. So, like, what's the significance? Is it just because they beat Bama and they're like okay, a really so, good team? Or... So. Tennessee has three big-time rivals in college football. Uh, Two of them have names for their rivalries. I mean, well, I say that, but it's not like the Iron Bowl with Bama versus Auburn or anything like that. It's not like those kind of names. But we have Florida, which is literally called – it is the third Saturday in September – the third Saturday <laughs> of September every year, Tennessee every and Florida year. play. I respect that. And then we have the third Saturday in October, which we play Alabama every year on the third Saturday of October. <laughs> and they are our they are our biggest rivals. And as you if anyone pays attention to college football, you kind of realize um we're there's been no rivalry for I guess I feel like any, even if you don't pay attention to college football, like everyone knows Bama's a good team. Yeah, like this was <laughs> our this was the first time we've beat Alabama since Nick Saban's been their head coach. Ooh. We were we were 0-15 going oh into the game tonight. Stop. Over the, yep, over the last so 15, 15 years. years. Oh 15 man. years, 15 losses. Granted, there were some heartbreakers. Like there was one year where we lost because I believe it was Don Terry Poe when he was playing defensive tackle for, the, for Bama. It might have been Don Terry, but I just know that a big fat defensive tackle blocked a potentially, <laughs> I think it was a game tying field goal that would have forced overtime, no. but he blocked it. And so we lost, but like, other than that, it's never really been that close. And mm. the fact that we, who undefeated, like we were unranked, Tennessee was unranked going into the season. And then we, we are now six and oh, four Ooh. of those six wins Ooh. are against top ranked teams. Dang. 
We played. I'm doing good this year. We played Pittsburgh when they were ranked like 15th or 17th, and we were, and by that point we were we got up to night 20th, 20. We were in the 20s. They were in like 17. I think they were 17. We beat them, and then when we got to when we played Florida, uh, we were 15, and Florida was 17 or 18. Beat Florida, and then we beat. LSU. <laughs> Granted, at that point we were 11th, and LSU was ranked 25, so they were barely in it, but they were still ranked. Yeah, beat them, <laughs> and then this was our first uh, matchup with Bama, where we were both top tens for like for the first time in like 20 plus years. I think since I was alive. Oh dang! Yeah, and we were we were, we were six. They were three. We beat them. Literally the. Goalpost got ripped down. Everyone smoked cigars that. because that's the that's the that's the ritual. Whoever wins the wins the game. Oh, okay. They smoke big old cigars. Okay. And for the first time, we were able to do it, and it was a big moment, and it was a great game. Final score was fifty-two to forty-nine, and everyone, Ooh. like all of the analysts, were literally sitting there, like at the beginning of the like on college game day and stuff, saying like, giving scores of like twenty-seven to twenty-one and stuff like that, and I'm like. Yeah, except for Tennessee has like the number one offense in the country right now. You're so, like, ah. like I mean, we literally like just to sh- uh, one last point, and then we're gonna get into the episode. Um, we scored the most points that we have ever scored in an Alabama game during that 15 years Damn. in the first half. <laughs> it was uh, the the fir- we scored 28 oh, points in the first no. half. And that was the most points we scored against the Nick Saban Bama team. And we did it in one half. That's awesome. Yeah. It was like, don't get me wrong. It was 28 to, it was 28 to 10 at one point. And then we started losing the lead and then we got the lead back. And then we had this tragic fumble on a bad handoff that they just scooped and scored with that put them up seven with like four minutes to go, four or five minutes to go. Oh, it was, I was a wreck. (laughs) You know, you know how animated I get when it's my favorite sports teams playing. So, like, you can imagine. Oh God! Yeah. The roller coaster I was in, but we won. <laughs> I freaked out. I started running laps around because you know I live on the top of a hill with like on the same land as my aunt and uncle and my parents and grandpa, and so I was literally running like freaking out with everyone all over the place. And I'm fat and out of shape, so I mean, whoo. I was gassed. Oh my god! <laughs> but, every, everyone in Tennessee is going nuts. Oh yeah, it's it's great, and we beat them <laughs> with Bryce Young, who is the defending Heisman winner. So Bama fans, you have no excuse. We beat you. Yeah. Um. Ooh. Yeah. So so. Whew. Dang. Let's get back. Let's get to the real topic <laughs> of today's episode. Now that I had my my mini freak out, hey. I'm just super happy. It's the first time Tennessee's been. I mean, yeah, you said 15 years. That's a long time. That's just against Alabama. This is the first time. This is the this this number six ranking we had before beating Bama today was the highest ranking we've had since I think 2002 or nine. It was either 90. It was either 98 or 2002. So it's been a long ass. It's been a long time. Yeah. (laughs) And we're about. Honestly, I kind of. Low key hoping we can they 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 let us jump, but some a lot of people 
Clemson and Michigan mainly, but uh, <laughs> Mi- Michigan handled a top 10 Penn State team pretty handedly. And I don't know. I think Clemson and Florida State's either still playing or if they're done playing, I don't know who won. So I don't mm. think we'll jump both of them. But still, we'll be in the top five, and I'm happy about it. Hell yeah. But the episode, to- the, the real topic we're here today for, uh, for all you folks at home, is... We've discussed earlier uh, when we had our uh, episode with Chris where we picked movies that the general public said were bad and we were defending. (laughs) We are huge movie guys. Like we, I think we said in that episode, I can't remember or not, but like we've been, we've done film writing classes together. We've entered competitions. We've entered (laughs) filmmaking competitions together as a team. We made a great team. We made a great team. Uh, and we made some so, good stuff. We've watched a lot of good movies in our time. Yeah, and so like we have, we have some some side passion creative projects. Um, and actually going forward, that is one of that is going to be a recurring episode that's going to come up every so often. Is we're going to bring in people that have their own creative passion projects that they're working on, and they're going to come and. We're going to discuss it and give some feedback on what we think of where they could approve or what if we like it or what we think <laughs> needs to change or what we think needs to stay. And we're hoping you guys like it. We're hoping the guests we bring on will really get into it. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. <clears throat> but for this one, um, we are just we were going to just do movie pitches. And we, yeah. <laughs> we discussed this like, well, I mean, I know I have some original ideas – that I've been workshopping for a few years, um, but I, I think, think a lot about what I was going to do because I don't have anything like in the tank. <laughs> yeah, so I think we both though kind of came to the agreement that for this one at least, with just the two of us, we wanted to take movies and pitch an idea that we think would make them even better. Yeah. And so it's not so we're not pitching our own original ideas in this episode in terms of the actual story, but we are pitching some things that some corrections we feel like would make the films <laughs> I, better. Yeah, I got some major corrections. <laughs> yeah. So um we discussed before and so I'm going to I'm going to open the I have floor. no idea what you're doing. Either. Yeah, we have we haven't we like outside of the fact that we both were like, hey, yeah, we have our stuff down, we know what we're going with. We have no idea what movie yeah, each of us picked to improve. You got, what you're doing, you have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's gonna it's a surprise. So, so I'm gonna mine is a movie that came out um within last seven years. I want to say it came out 2015. Might have been somewhere in that somewhere in that uh, like 13 to 15 range is when it came out. I don't have out too. I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, but like it was, it was pretty well received in critics and public, and it didn't do too bad in the box office either. So like it's weird, but it was based off of a book. Okay. Um, I just recently finished. Reading the book, I literally bought mm-hmm. this book way back before the movie even came out because I was so excited for the movie. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get the book. I'm gonna read the book before the movie comes out." And <laughs> then, then you, you knew it. me back then. Like, I don't, I didn't read, and I still really don't read that much. Yeah, you but didn't. I'm, read. I'm starting to find more time to do it. 
so it, I'm getting slightly better at it. Yeah. Um. So I'm actually going to. Re- so I'm going to take. I, I have the book in my hands. So if you hear papers <laughs> rustling, it's it's going to be because I'm thumbing through the book because I have some stuff earmarked that I want to discuss about how I think it would have improved. But I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna open up with literally the first line of the introduction here. Uh, and I'll read it verbatim. Well, okay. Yeah, I'll read it verbatim, and then that's how you'll find out what what movie I'm 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 going to improve. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> it goes by many names: the Crisis, the Dark Years, the Walking Plague, as well as newer and more hip titles such as World War Z or Z War One. I. I personally dislike the last moniker as it implies an inevitable Z War Two. For me, it will always be the zombie war. So, the movie I feel like would that I would like to improve is World War Z. Oh, bro, I love that movie. I loved the movie oh too. Oh my god, I loved that movie. It is my out. favorite zombie movie. Same. Right? I okay. love that. And don't get me wrong, even with reading the book does not take away I didn't my even love. know there was a book. Yeah, it was a book first. But like I did it, not know that. Me reading the book hasn't taken away my love for what they put on screen. Mm-hmm. However, it is insanely different. Really? Yes. So, okay. So, uh, just, I mean, as you get it, like, Brad Pitt is this ex-CIA uh, agent who, when the zombie outbreak happens or whatever, the or State Department, not CIA, he worked for the State Department. Mm. But the State Department brings him back in, and he goes back in willingly to for safe passage for his family and stuff. But then they send yeah. him out with a biologist or whatever the doctor is to go and try to find help him find the cure. Right? Mm. And he's just him bouncing around the world dealing with all this stuff. So good. Yeah. Great movie. So good. Great movie. But after reading the book... Would you like to know what the premise of the book is? I would like to know what the premise of the book is. Okay. So, it is not read. It's, it's not written as nonfiction. What? World War Z, the book, is written as a as a as a nonfiction <laughs> story where and it's narrate and it has a it has a narrator and it is set 10 years after the what they called the end of world war z so the war so think of like so it the war the the zombie invasion happened they went through the years of dealing with it and trying to reclaim reclaim the earth and then 10 years mm. later is where the book is set and it is another state department uh it is still a state department guy right mm-hmm. and he uh let me see if i can i have it this is one of the parts i have thumbed in so he was yeah so he was writing a united nation for the united nations post-war commission report um and he went in and 
So it's literally him just explaining everything that happened, but it became a lot what he uses as intimate because he was basically he but then he wanted to make a he wanted to write a book telling people's stories who survived through World War Z. And so the book huh. is actually a giant interview between different survivors that's interesting yeah so very and like some of this like don't get me wrong the movie does incorporate some of the stuff from the book so like some of the big ones is that line when he gets to the when he's having that conversation in jerusalem uh with the Mossad agent and they're Mm -hmm. talking about the the tenth man you know like if nine people if ten people look at the same set of evidence and nine people say it's this it's the 10th birdies do 10th person's duty that no matter how ridiculous it is has to disagree with them and say it is possible right that line Mm -hmm. verbatim from the book from one of the interviews (laughs) um the whole (laughs) thing where he's in korea and they're talking about and then they talk about how like the north koreans and stuff yeah also from the book except for i don't remember if they actually said that the North Koreans pulled out every one of their teeth like it does in the movie, but they do isolate themselves completely because of the mountainous ranges and everything like that. Damn. So, right. So with that being the premise of the book, the improvements I feel like would be made in the movie and the storytelling in a movie setting. Yeah. is taking an Orson Welles War War of the Worlds approach to it. Okay. So, if you remember the original Orson Welles radio broadcast of War of the Worlds, like, way back in the 20s or 30s. Yeah, because it wasn't said it was a skit. They reported it on, like, it was on the radio being reported like an actual thing that was happening. Right? Yeah. So... And with, for lack of a better term, I would honestly, I think this movie would benefit better as a mockumentary. A, a mockumentary. Huh? So, and you just, like, it's only a mockumentary because obviously it's fake not events. Like real, it's yeah. fake events and everything like that. But literally, make the movie like a documentary. So you are like in the book, you already have the narrator who even already said like he in the further on in the introduction, he literally says that he's going to do his best to keep his input out of it. However, like when you read through it, like you still see him asking questions or asking for clarifications on certain things when people are telling their stories. So like Uh you still get his input. But the way I would treat it is like he does a really good job, like it's broken down into different sections. So you have, um, let me get the glossary going so I don't have to flip through all the pages to get to the different sections. But the first section of the book is literally called Warnings. So it's all the stories he's compiled from people at the beginning. Like, he sits down with the first doctor in China that literally meets with Patient Zero. Oh, shit. And Village Zero and everything like that. And here's his story about how it first started like that, right? And then... And then it goes to, then the next one is blame, where it's literally everyone blame. Obviously, every it's stories of everyone blaming everyone else for of course it's spread. 
And then you have The Great Panic, which is when shit really hits fan. Like, he has a really good interview with a black market organ smuggler. <laughs> and he, who literally tells about how, like, smuggling organs and everything helped rapidly spread it because they were taking organs from, like, China and Asia and everything like that. And then all of a sudden they're bringing them over to, like, South America and stuff like that for people from North America who go to South America to get the things done illegally. Yep. And so that it, and so there's that. And then it goes to Turning the Tide, which is a bunch of stories of people like fight starting starting to fight back. And then it's Homefront USA, which is a bunch of stories about what is happening obviously in the United States and what the United States were doing for their whole their whole shtick. Uh yeah. and then it goes to Around the World and Above. So it it's then again super self-explanatory it's a bunch of stories about uh from other countries and then the above part i didn't understand that at first but one of the last ones is literally told uh he has a story from someone who got stranded on the international space station what yeah the team that is stranded on the international space station and it's an interview with this guy and he tells a tells their story up there and how like they weren't up there alone because there was another there's the chinese space station and it was it was one of the better like interviews uh and then there and then after that it's total war which is finally when everyone is just like yep we're going like there's a one of the the, there's an aide that he interviews that was there in like south america or whatever when all the world leaders that could get there got there and they were and like america was like all right Total War, let's go kick this thing's ass. <laughs> uh, and then it's just yeah. a, a goodbye roundup from everyone that spoke. So, like, I feel like what you do, right? So, like, you want the big name Brad Pitt. I still say, like, we could have kept... What's more realistic? Hmm. That Brad Pitt's character just magically happens to be at all of these places with uh. all of this shit's popping off? Or him coming through later and just collecting these interviews for data for a report and then compiling them all into a little like documentary or something. Because that's the other thing. There's a, he has an interview in, in the book. They, he sits down with an interview for a renowned film director. Obviously, he's a fake dude. Um, but like whose job, who m- went out of his way to make... Uh, war documentaries to try to build boat boost morale because uh-huh. like there he even like comes up with this uh mental disease that's not so much like PTSD but it was literally it was basically like people started lo- stop started losing hope and they straight up were just like he w- he had all these numbers and stuff about these things that like because they didn't have hope or whatever they were more susceptible to dying they commit suicide at a higher rate Stuff like that, and so he, so this filmmaker literally went out and started doing prop, essentially propaganda, to boost morale and stuff like that. So I'm like, why wouldn't you just use that? Like, so you got this film director, you have this dude that has all these interviews. Why wouldn't you just merge them as like, hey, we had this, let's go do something with it, and so then they go and make this documentary. Would you have the, would you have the movie be like Brad Pitt's character? going around interviewing people and then it like showing what the people are talking about in the interview yes, or what? Exactly. Okay. So like it would start with them sitting down. Right. And, and uh-huh. I know it would be a little like part of me, 
part of me thinks it would probably work better as a limited series doing it in that fashion than so much of a movie because then you can yeah. just do one story per episode and don't that like, would be the way to do it yeah. there's a lot of good like the book as a whole is good and like i didn't have a problem with any of the stories but there mm-hmm. are standouts that i would personally i would those would be the ones i would focus on so oh, yeah, whether I mean, it be whether it be in the in the movie or if we you do make it a limited series, which again I feel like just because of the way I'm pitching it, the limited series yeah. would fit better because then you could really take the time because because some yeah, of these that would be way better. There are some stories that are literally only like a page, and then there's other interviews with other people's stories that are like twenty. Bro, when you all right, so when you were saying it as a movie, I was like, eh. And then as soon as you said limited series, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm really thinking about it, and that would be a killer limited series. So like, just so I can, so like, you get the premise right. It's still so it's still like Brad Pitt's character would be conducting yeah. interviews, but then once they start talking, you just kind of do that little like dissolve, and then you fade into yeah. like, it's not so much as a reenactment, but you're just showing what they're saying instead of just them literally sitting down there and telling it. There where you yeah. still are getting the action you're still getting the the drama of everything without it just them s- telling you the drama yeah that would be dope so that, that would be dope so i have a few pigeonholed here that i'm going to breeze through that I, like i feel like are the big ones that like that weren't included in the movie that mm-hmm. i think is a cr- is criminal because they like i said they so obvious, like the first one I had was the the doctor with patient zero and stuff. I mean that's yeah. pretty self explanatory. I feel like that just does a very good job of setting the base. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, or, or I'm listening. Or that could be the last episode. Ooh, or one of the last ones. That would kind of leave too. it a mystery. Yeah. So I I don't I don't hate that one either. I like that. <laughs> um. The another one is uh, he interviews a female uh, Russian soldier who survived it, obviously, because this is a decade after the end of it. And mm-hmm. it's literally basically about how the Russian military, it's in the blame section, but it's literally how the Russian military starts taking these aggressive means of trying to like handle this situation. Yeah. And uh, they were. Basically, it got to the point where they were trying to get the Russian soldiers to not commit genocide, <laughs> but be a very selective on who they let go where. And yeah. when the soldiers started like disagreeing, they literally rounded all of them up, separated the entire like platoon into ten into groups of ten men and women. So there's ten people, and then they literally gave them one gun with one bullet, and it's like. You have to decide which of the ten of you are dying. Oh! And they literally killed one out of every ten to put them in to like put the put them in place. Wow. Yeah, it was very intense, wow. and it's like, I mean, it's very Russian. But I was gonna say that's some Russian shit. Yeah. It's very Russian, but it was like it's super intense because yeah, it's all of a sudden these people that like these Russian sh- soldiers that they're they want to do the right thing, and now all of a sudden, but because what they were being told wasn't the right thing. Now they have to vote on who they have to kill. And then what it did, uh, what the soldier says, is that it literally brought it to where 
it fixed in their mind and it took away the evil of their actions because Ooh. it gave them the I was just doing as I was ordered defense. Right. And it like cemented that for them because they had, and like, that's how, th that's what they needed to like function at that time. So like, I feel like because of that, it would carry a pretty decent emotional story. Um, oh, yeah. let's see where's, which is, Oh, and then, okay. One of the best stories, like the fact that it didn't make it into the movie really kills me so it's literally some hollywood big shot or up and comer i it's upper comer or big shot but he literally oh, yeah. like <laughs> is secures this like safety house and he has it loaded up with private security and everything and like i'm talking like it's got high rising walls it has security cameras motion sensors yeah. everything you could possibly ask for however yeah. Because he was a Hollywood starlet, up-and-comer, whatever. Tour. He loaded it down with anyone that... So the interview is being told from the security, like the bodyguard. Or uh -uh. as he calls himself, mercenary. But even then he says, uh, mercenary is the closest, I guess. But at the same time, it's about as far from the real me as you could have gotten. So... <laughs> that's his word that's the that is the dude's words who's talking but literally um he loads it down with a bunch of famous people that he feels like would help him uh help his status after all yeah. this past and then they basically made it like a reality show because they had all those security cameras including like inside the <laughs> house and then a swarm and then all of a sudden they start getting motion from outside Oh no. And all the security guards and everything, they're all getting ready. And then they realize it's not zombies. It's mm -hmm. normal people that are trying oh. for their for their lives to get to safety. Damn. And all the Holly all these big wigs are like, Hey, do your job, protect us and everything. And all of the security guards they he says like we all looked at each other and it's like we didn't sign on for this and they literally left. They just Whoa. left. But yeah, it was in like I'm like, oh my god, because it's literally people just trying to trying to survive, and it's intense. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, um, that would be yeah, that would make a good episode on a limited series. And then there's this one is is insane too. This so this one's in uh, India, and they're trying to retreat into the mountains and everything like that, and like they have, they're trying to like move mass populations. Uh, mm -hmm. and they're they're gonna bring him up into the mountains and then blow the mountain pass to seal him. And like it's at this point, it's been an effective measure across the world for people that have had mountains. Like even in a even in the United States, like we retreated to the Rockies and stuff like that. But like so everything, the way everything go. goes to shit. And then this one badass general who is like a god to the Indian people because of how much of a badass he is. Literally just runs into the middle of all these fucking zombies to find the huh. detonator and literally just detonates the thing with him there and everything and just takes everyone with him. Oof. It's ep it would be an epic set piece. Yeah. And it also sets up um and the tactics that they use there is also the tactics that would eventually lead back to how 
the United States learns to start fighting back, which there's another big set piece that wasn't in the movie, but it's literally the Battle of Yonkers, and it was the first, uh, that's what they call it in the book. And the Battle of Yonkers was the United States' first, like, strike to try to thwart back the enemy, except for they were doing, they were planning it all as more of publicity and to make them look good. And so they had literally (laughs) rows and rows of soldiers and tank and artillery just on this fucking road. Yeah. When there were buildings and sky rises with great lines of sight onto the road that would keep them safe. That was also would have been easier to defend because you're just defending stairwells instead of a giant fucking freeway with all these side alleys. (laughs) And so, and then they had like helicopter, like uh, they had, um, news choppers and media people like on those buildings instead of the soldiers and they get fucking decimated (laughs) because nothing like it was just it was bad planning and everything went to shit real quick and they just got overran um and that is what they could contain it that's what demoralized america in the in the story a lot but i'm just gonna go to my two there's more that i would like to highlight but i'm just gonna go to the two biggest ones to me that would really i feel like be the biggest carry of it so there's one uh at this point in the war they have pilots and stuff that are able to make they have isolated green zones or blue zones i can't I, it's been a minute since i've read it but it's it's a colored zones that's it's color coordinated that's how they know where what spots are clear with survivors and stuff and where they can like land to take to do supply runs and stuff. And so the story is, so the interview is with a female pilot that uh, is doing supply runs and everything. And she's flying and she has to go whilst they're flying over uh, Louisiana, the bayou, the bayou in Louisiana, she has to go to the bathroom. And so she's in the, she's in the toilet. And then like next thing she knows her plane's going down. No. She has no idea what happens because she wasn't there. Uh, everything gets, she gets like thrown from the plane or whatever and like lands in a tree, but Ooh. survives, right? And while she's, while she's doing all this, um, like, but she lands in infested territory and they have what they call sky watchers, which are people that like call in. Uh, they're the ones that are supposed to like call in the the zones of like where they're seeing zombie mo- movements, and they're also okay. working as like air traffic controllers because they have the signal, and so they're yeah. literally communicating through radio through all this. And this lady is literally walking her through every single thing, and so she's literally with like a limp foot trying to trek <laughs> through the bayou around all these zombies that the sky watcher is co- constantly radioing radioing into her. Um, and everything, and then, like, it gets to this real crazy part where she goes to a, she sees it, comes across a car because she's trying to avoid main roads, but she comes across a car, and there, and the skywatch is like, don't go near the car, get away from the car. She goes near the car. There's a zombie <sighs> in the car, strapped into That's a seatbelt, but he cries out. Oh no! Causes a, causing a horde, and she has to just run like hell. Gets up into a tree. Or does she get away? She gets away there. All I know is that she gets away. She either gets away or she gets run up into a tree. But eventually, she's in a tree. She finds herself surrounded by zombies, and she has to get to the 
to the this freeway that she's trying to get to to for her airlift for her evac, mm-hmm. and so she has to jump out of this tree on a bum ankle, and then try to outrun all these zombies. And the big, but where the real like, like there's a lot of good like exchange between her and the Skywatcher and stuff. But where the yeah. real emotional hit comes is at the end here. Uh, let me, I have it right here on the in the book. This is one of the longer stories. Like this is the one that this one's like I think like ten, fifteen pages. Ooh. Like it it goes very well in depth and everything. And uh, she nice. calls she, the code name that the Skywatcher lady gives her is. Uh, Mets, so she's calling the Skywatcher Mets. And so, like, and the way she was saying everything, like, she was like, well, she's definitely, she was definitely a pilot. I just don't know where she was a pilot at. And everything like that. Um, Yeah. But then it gets to the part where as the interviewer, he's like, they never found her, no, or the cabin, no. And Honolulu, because that's who, like, that's the, that's where the base is at that's tracking all this. He's like, Honolulu never had any record of a Skywatcher with the call sign Met with Mets fan. Uh, and she's like, no. And so basically the what the military records and everything show is that she was a figment of her imagination uh. and that she sounded like her because she talked like a pilot, which she was a pilot. And she referred to herself as Mets fan, who I guess was her mother's favorite team. <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, it's like all of a sudden this is huge twist of like, is this person was this person actually real or was she just a figment of imagination? So the way I would do that section of either the movie or the episode for the thing is literally it would, she would just be a voice. A voice. You, you would never see her. I would just yeah, literally just like have a voice her, on the radio. Just a voice on the radio. Yep. Um, but in reality, the radio like didn't work or some shit. Yeah. So I'm like that's that's how I would portray it. Because, I mean, subco- your subconscious works in crazy ways. Like, everything that she went through, like, it was literally just, it could be explained as it's her subconscious, and it's just, that's the way that her subconscious was getting through to her. Yeah. Was through the radio and stuff like that. But the big one, like, when I read this one, it blew my freaking mind. <laughs> so it's another one of the longer ones. So essentially, I don't even need to look in the book because it's ingrained in my brain. So Ooh. what it is, um, it's a Chinese submarine crew. Like, China is going off the rails with everything at this point, And, like, they're just getting super intense with all their stuff. And they have a nuclear power sub. And Typical. the admiral, or the, the, the commander of the, of the sub... Gets all of his officers and everything, and they all agree and they all vote that they are going to abandon China. So, like, they set it up, like, they have this huge, meticulous plan of, like, they're going to follow everything to the letter for, like, their routine, uh, for a routine patrol that they were scheduled for. And it's like, yeah. And they're like, but they knew that to get the crew on board, they, with this plan, they had to bring their family. So all of a sudden, they're trying to secretly send out messages to all their families, being like, hey, we're leaving. You have to get here, and you have to get here by this time, or we're going to have to leave you. Because if they don't leave on their scheduled thing, all of a sudden, they're never going to make it out of the harbor. Yeah. So they literally bail, right? 
and it's just <sighs> and it's just them surviving in a submarine and this is where like you get real good looks at the fact that zombies survived in underwater like one of the biggest what? things like well that's one of the big things like after the war like the total war and everything's over is like they still have specialized like marine units or maritime units that are literally like scuba diving essentially underwater because zombies are just slowly coming up from the depth coming back up from the depths because a lot of the survivors would hop on boats and everything Damn. and go out to and set off to sea and then but someone would be infected and all of a sudden the entire ship's infected yeah um shit so they're <laughs> bouncing around right just trying to survive in the submarine and they come across uh knowing that it like they can't they have to remain radio silent otherwise uh they could be they could get hunted and they go and they find this island and this island community where like they live like there's carefree not a worry in the world whatsoever and like <laughs> they live because they're it have you seen a quiet place part two no oh well that's basically how quiet place part two kind of goes but <laughs> yeah they they're on this island the submarine like hooks up to give the people power again and like they all of a sudden they like they stay they stay for a few days for for a while and they're like exchanging information they're exchanging goods they're giving power and recycled mm -hmm. water and everything for other goods and like that's what they're trading and bartering with and then all of a sudden one day uh something goes boom and it's because they got found out they got found by another sub like got got yeah except for they missed their shot and they hit something else so they all had to get back on the sub and there's this intense submarine battle uh, where <laughs> the they try to they're trying to hail the submarine to find out who it is with no yeah. answer, and it finally gets to the point where they have to attack back. They have to fire back, and so there's this huge thing where they finally maneuver. They fire the shot. They expl they destroy the ship, and they find. But they were able to find out what class of ship it is, and that's where things get really interesting because it's revealed that the ad the captain of the sub has a son who is also the commander of the exact same type of sub class like class of sub that they just had to destroy. And so all of a sudden the commander thinks that he just murdered it murdered his son. Oh uh, shit. Yep. And then they finally go back and they get intercepted again, but it was through a message and it was the actual admiral's son this time. Um, finds out that his son survived and then he literally just dies in the captain's chair. He was an old dude, by uh, the way. No, uh, like he was okay. old as shit. I was like, wait, yeah, wait. no, he was he's old as shit. But I'm sitting there like when I was just reading that, I was like, holy Jesus, because like it was there was a lot of information that they were throwing at you with all of the like the island people and then the uh the water zombies and shit like that, and then all of a sudden you're in this naval battle. This submarine battle on par with like the hunt for Red October. Damn. Yeah, and it got really intense. But like, these are stories that should have been told. Like, I love the movie, but I feel like if you were to take it and do it like in that mockumentary setting, and again, I think we both agreed that the mini series would be better. Bro, or it would be, be better so fitted. Good. Yeah, because but you, you could. You could have all these interviews, and you could have the point of the interviews, like trying to find out, 
like where it started and shit. Yeah. And yeah. then you at the end they end up interviewing like through all the other interviews they end up like finding out like you could still tell the stories of the interviews but like you could just drop in stuff through them and like they end up finding the doctor and interviewing him and then finding out everything about patient zero and everything yeah, like that i would that would that would be a good way to do it too honestly but like those I, are just those are that's just money right there those were just like <laughs> the the big ones there are a lot yeah. of there's a lot of stories that stick out in it like it's just those t- those were the ones that like i don't even have to really think of when i look at the book it's like those are the stories that my head immediately goes to and so but like there's a lot of other really good ones that would also not like obviously you don't want to make it super long because i mean it's a it's a there's a lot of interviews like like I said. yeah i mean so it's like a you whole can't book. yeah you can't do a whole <laughs> like you can't do an episode for like every single one but like pick out if you there's i would honestly i would do like 13 episodes because there's at least there are 13 stories worth telling in there for sure that would be that would be money that'd yeah be a good that'd be a good netflix series yep I would, <laughs> or I would, amazon or but whatever that is, though that is my pitch and my ideas of how to me it would fix world war z which is saying a lot because again, I love the movie, and even after reading, yeah, that was just such still a good love- movie. Oh, and that's the other thing—the whole cure that they find in the movie. Yeah, being ill, like having an yeah. illness. That was the movie doing creative license because do you know how the world, the World War Z ends in the book is literally we just figure out after years of how to fight zombies. We just learn how to fight the enemy. Yeah. That like literally uh, like like the retaking of the United States is literally like a giant uh military force divided into three. You have the North Regiment you have the North uh group, you have the central group and the south and the southern group, and they literally just like I'm not even kidding, like for anyone in the military or that's worked on a fly line, FOD walk. They're just straight line all the way down the United States from north to south, and they just walk across from west to east. Uh and just kill everything and literally exterminate every zombie that they come across. Fair enough. Like that's another story that's really good too because like the other thing is though I feel like the zombies in the book are way different than the ones in the movie cuz the ones in the movie were like crazy. Yeah. They're like they run fast. They yeah, were, that was like, another cl- thing like that wasn't that yeah, they didn't go crazy or anything like, like that. One of the coolest they were, things they in the were movie the... is when like climbing up each other and they go over that so wall that, and So that that is a thing. <laughs> no, oh, that to an extent, if I remember correctly, I don't know if they go over it of it being in Israel, but I know, I feel like them. Yeah, no, they, it was them when they were trying to like climb over mountains and and shit. Like, no, is they were one of the ways that they found <laughs> one of the ways that they found to fight Wait, it. No, <laughs> so no, they from the from the Admiral Singh. I know. So the Indian, the Indian guy who runs in there and just blows everyone away. Like they find out how to. That's where they find out how to fight. And it was literally, you have all of your ammo and resources and everything in this central location, and then you literally just make a giant square with three rows of people deep. All right, <laughs> and so you literally you have one the you have one person firing, one person reloading, and one person getting a break, and you are literally just nonstop alternating, alternating and then you have ammo runners who are literally just drop bringing ammo as needed 
from the center and everything like that. And while you're on your break or whatever, that's you get the little bit of sleep you can get. You grab, you grab food real quick. You get water, go to the bathroom and then you're right back to, and then you go to start reloading for the next person who's up. And then you start firing when they're up. And it's literally like they, they say when they first do it is just a wall of bodies because they just kept coming. (laughs) But it works. That's cool. That's it works. Cool. Yeah, that's that's, that, that's where they learned from their mistakes from Yonkers, the Battle of Yonkers, and stuff like that. And it was it's it was a pretty. That's another really good story too. Um, and then they also talk about how they bring canines into it. Like there's an interview with a canine handler, and like how they would <laughs> literally like work as a team and like be early scouts for the giant march across the United States to to like find the any zombies that are hiding. And just let the Damn. dogs go to work. Yeah. Sounds like an interesting book. It is. It is. If you ever get around to really sitting down to read it, I suggest it. It's very good. I liked it. Yeah. I did. Like I said, I didn't even know it was a book. Yep. I just thought it was the movie and the movie was dope. <laughs> yep. Agreed. But that is my pitch. Um, All right. So I will pass that the mic dope. off to you. Oh, I thank you, sir. So mine... I I sat for a while like thinking because I I was just like hmm I don't know because like I never really like thought of like what I would redo or like anything like that and then I remembered there was a video game series that I absolutely loved and they made a movie on it and I never even saw the movie because I heard it was so bad. I swear to God, if you're about to say. No, you said 2015, so it's not. I thought you were about to say Doom, that the Rock's shitty no. movie and Carl Urban. Bro, I that was that's a good movie. What are you talking about? That's debatable. <laughs> Anyways, I, uh, the one I picked is Assassin's Creed. Oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that movie was shit. Yeah, so like I didn't even see the movie, but I just heard what? it was bad. And I, I attempted to watch it like once or twice and I just couldn't get it, like get into it. And I think well, the main thing, cause like I loved the games. Yep. Like you were, the, you I, introduced me to the games. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember being at your house showing you how to like always win in a fight because yeah, like it was my, <laughs> it, it, it's still my favorite game series. Like I know no, that not, I know that they've had some duds recently, but I sell I I've bought every single game since Assassin's Creed Brotherhood because that was the first that was the new Assassin's Creed that was out when you showed me. Dang, <laughs> dang. So yeah, I started at the first one. Yeah, I started playing the first one, and then I after that I played the second one, and then I had to wait till the third one came out, and then that's when I told you I was like, you gotta get this. You're like, and they had online. That was the first game that had online play for Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I love. Dude, it was that so much fun. <laughs> I went off on that. It online. was so. It was so much fun. It was such a unique online like game experience too, just because <sighs> the mechanics of what you were actually trying to do was so different. Yeah, it was like playing tag, but you're killing each other. Yeah, exactly. It was great. It was, it was sick. And I played that game so much, so I was really good at it, and I was really good at the online, and I like. When you're really good at something, like you kind of you tend to like dive into it, you know. Yeah. So I loved Assassin's Creed. Yep. I loved everything about it. I loved the the story. Honestly, to me, was the best part. Desmond you know, was one they, of my favorite video game antagonists. 
It's it. Protagonist. It was just protagonist. I always forget mixed up which one means hero. Right, and like I'm a sucker for a good game series that has like a awesome original story, and that to me, like that game was sick because it brought like real historical fa- like people and brought it events. in this new fun environment. Yeah, for you to like, encounter them. Yeah. Yeah, and it was awesome. And like that was my like I said, that was like my favorite part was the story because the story in the beginning was so like they it was so intriguing and you had no idea where it was going to go. Yep. And like they left you on such big cliffhangers and you're like shit, I need to play the next game. And I also feel and, like, like you they did such a good job of like like yes, you had the assassins versus the templars, but they did such a good job of always making it not so black and white. Yeah, like you still bl- knew you still knew that the Templars were the bad guys and the Assassins were the good guys, but both of them lived in such of this perfect world of gray. Yeah, that like at any given moment you could be like, I I get it. Well, I mean they <laughs> I both relentlessly kill each other. Like, like, <laughs> like, oh, I still can't get over it. Like, the Assassin's Creed 3 beginning when you're playing as uh, Haysom, or whatever his name is, and, like, you play, like, the first, like, six missions as him just to find out that he's the Templar and not who you, not the main character yeah. that you're going to be playing as. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you end up playing his son or whatever. Yeah, it was such a huge twist because it does son. such a great job of, A, setting up the main villain which is Haytham and then all the mini yeah. bosses because all the mini bosses were all the people like you all your friends that you made in those first couple of missions when you first get to America was with Haytham yeah those those first those first handful of games were so good they yeah. did not mess with those they did not like they, they culminating had... in the greatest of all black flag yeah black flag was sick yeah but like it got to the point though at Black Black Flag that they were drawing on the story and like the mystery of everything too long, and it was starting to lose me honestly. So like I was the, like, "You gotta give me more," because they just kept leaving on cliffhangers and cliffhangers. I feel like they did a really good job though of like all of a sudden freshening up because I mean Black Flag had the big twist where wait is it ooh wait no it was Assassin's Creed three that kills off Desmond. Yeah. Is it three or no? It is three. Yeah, it's because Black Flag. You're a completely different person. Yeah, and, and you're, you're like at Abstergo. Yeah, and, and you're it's like this big corporation and yeah, yeah, yeah. movies and shit. And you're in first person when you get pulled out of it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah, it was a so no, it was Assassin's Creed Three that had the because that was the huge thing when it actually all of a sudden your main again I don't remember, protagonist antagonist whatever the main hero all of a sudden just dies. Yeah, and in that's... this epic, in this epic set piece, <sighs> it was it was great, but at the same time, like that's when it started losing. Anyways, so they made they decided to make a movie, and I was watching a YouTube video before this, and they were just saying it got caught up in Hollywood BS, like rewrites, like Typical. drama with producers, like all this, like they I think they ended up switching like the studios that were doing it. I don't know. There's a lot of just Hollywood BS. 
And Hollywood also has a terrible track record. They're starting to get a lot better at it, but of like, there's only a handful of movies from video game at adap- like video game adaptations. They struggle with. There's like Tomb Raider. Uh, I I like. There's a handful. I like of, the like Resident remake. Evil. But there's like Hollywood historically doesn't do too no, hot no, video don't. game adaptations. And this is a perfect example because what they did with the movie is they had a completely different character basically with the same story and they just changed a bunch of shit and it was like, wait, what? Like, that that was my census. Uh, like, that was part of the reason why I didn't see it right away. It's because I thought it, they completely missed and they should have just stuck with the story of the video games it's so good you didn't need to change it yeah so like for my pitch would just be sticking to the video game storyline <laughs> <laughs> like just just stick to it because the video game story was so good you didn't even need to mess with it and they messed with so much i was seeing like the uh animus or whatever in the movie it's super like, weird yeah, it had you like literally jumping around and like running and stuff. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, instead of it literally just. Well, see, so I will, I will say, I get the struggles. Like, I know that they did their best of handling it, where it was literally like, like you have this big name, Michael Fassbender, being the playing you... the modern day person, and so you don't want to, but you don't want to waste his talent by just being the dude who just gets in the animus every so often. And so, like, I get it that they so they just bring him and it's literally just Michael Fassbender, but in the Assassin's Cloak in the past. But like, I feel like that is where the big hiccup to me was was like them trying to incorporate them trying to tell a collinear story with in two different timelines that just with the same like cast that just didn't mesh at all, <laughs> right? So like, that's the that's like the beauty of the game though is like it's uh, I just they if they had literally just stuck to the game it would have been so much better yeah because the game does it so well it literally like it starts doesn't it start I think the first game you start off in the Animus like playing as Altair yep which is like the original dude and then you wake up. And they're like, oh, like, we say, or, like, you, I forget where they got him from. They kidnapped him. He was a bartender. Yeah, he was. And, uh, but anyways, like, they just, they're like, this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. Like, you got to do this shit. Like, if they had just stuck with that, and then, like, the main story, like, I don't know. The game just does such a good job of having the two storylines. And if they had just stuck to that because they know it works, I feel like they would have avoided a lot of issues. But the like the the game is just so good because it's you could easily make a bunch of movies and they would all still be very interesting. And it would all be again still different timelines. Like I mean, like you yeah, said, the first First one you have Altair, which is and it's set in the Middle East, and then and then you jump to the the, the OG goat of Ezio. Like 
Ezio, well, he's he's around for what I think three or four games. Because yeah. it's Assassin's Creed it's, Two. He's got three games: two Brotherhood, Brotherhood. Unity. No, not Unity. Unity's no, the one in Paris. It's uh, Revelations. Revelations. So it's he's got his three. I mean, again, oh, Ezio's a and, dope and character. His, his character, you even if they didn't want to go back to the, like the first movie or first game to do a movie, you could. Just focus on it. Excuse me. You could, yeah. He, he's such a good character, and his story arc through everything is amazing. So, because he ends in like Revelations, he ends up being like this, just this absolute monster and like grandmaster of the assassins and like just a legend. So, I agree that they should try making it again, and they they definitely they have need to. to They're do, missing out. They need to do something better. And honestly, this is, I know you're not going to, you might not agree with it, but honestly, the, I think the easiest way to make the story work the best is to cut out the modern story. That w- I mean, that would work. Just tell the story of, like, <laughs> just tell the story of Ezio, like, because it's still Assassin's Creed. He's still an assassin. He's still going against the Templars. He's still trying to get the Garden of Eden. Or the what is it the that well that's what mainly what the games did so well is that you barely played as Desmond. Yeah, it was literally just for the like it was you would have maybe four or five missions like actual missions that you're that you have to play as Desmond, and then any yeah. other time they're literally just like cutscenes or you talking to your your comp- compatriots. Yeah, so you could totally just get rid of them like you're saying. It yeah, so work. I think it would fit. It would be. It would be easier than trying to do what they did, and then yeah. that way you just have the one set and one story, and you're still telling a an assassin story. And again, I like I love Desmond and his whole story, but Ezio is what makes Assassin's Creed. And then you could definitely just keep making movies, and then and the, then yeah, so you get it. Ezio. Just not even have the futuristic part. Yeah, and you could just, just keep going through assassin time stories. and all, and literally just. Like just bounce around through time as Assassin's Creed, whatever. And yet it, again, this another another idea that would be good is a, like a series. <laughs> so a series wouldn't be bad. Uh, I feel like it would have to be. I would consider it more of. It would have to be more of an anthology series where each individual season is its own contained story yeah that's what i was yeah. thinking if you do something like that, that yeah something like that it would definitely season one could be Ezio. yeah or with... two seasons of Ezio because he's just such a monster yeah and just and then, so you have it set in rome and then the next and then it's literally just like the games the next season you pick another you make a new assassin who's set in a different ancient city and yeah just keep moving keep pushing yep that would be sick and then that way, you know, you're not trying to get actors to sign on to these big, like, multi-picture, multi-year deals. And it's just like, hey, come be a part of this great pe- project. Ten episodes, in, out, and you're done. Yeah, that would be dope, honestly. Yeah. I would... Oh. oh, oh. How can you not be... Like, that would have... That would fit... And, like, you'd have to do it... And like almost you, Game of Thrones style, and be relentless because you're an assassin, bro. Like you're out there. Oh yeah, if you're doing... not, if you're not, if you're not, you know, at least killing three people an episode. I mean, come on. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but like, I, the only thing that would kill me is 
those <laughs> freaking uh the leaves of faith like i don't remember oh. how they handle it in the in the in the movie so in the youtube video i watched they addressed it and what they did was is they actually did like i think it, it was some type of record stunt where like the guy like someone jumped a record amount and like they actually did a leap of faith but in the movie they had added so much cgi smoke and like dust and just darkness that you couldn't even see it mm. so like it was kind of a waste <laughs> so what killed me right was um i don't know if you've played i've i've been i've i've been messing around with uh assassin's creed ragnarok or not ragnarok but Valhalla. Valhalla yeah. Ragnarok's the new the most recent DLC that came out for it. Um and so he's literally you're just a Viking who just comes ac- like whose best friend in the game just comes across uh two assassins, a master assassin and his apprentice while he's in his their yeah. voyages into the Middle East that and they come back with him and stuff like that, and like you literally just go off uh, with one of them for a, one of the missions early on, and yep. he does a leap of faith and everything, and they're literally like, it just clean like cleanses the senses because of the adrenaline rush of just <laughs> jumping from a very high place. And I'm like, really? That's <laughs> really <laughs> that's what we're doing yeah, here. Really? <laughs> that's, we're just okay. Sure, the adrenaline rush makes everything okay. <laughs> that oh, there would be so many cool seasons and like stories you could do like, and that's the thing like because you still have because it's still assassins versus templar so like even if you want to go like start all the way back and literally like because now we have assassin's creed origins have been out for a while so like that's literally the origins of the assassins like yeah. uh bayek is the and his wife are like the first are the people that like f- found it the assassins and it grows from there so like if you want to start it that way, you literally just start back in ancient Egypt, and then you have this, you still have the overarching story of, like, the Garden of Eden and whatever the... the, apple. the whatever, Yeah, the apple, the apple of Eden. That's what it is. The apple of Eden was the big yeah. MacGuffin from the first, like, the Ezio games, anyways. Yeah. So, like, you literally just have... Like, that's what the quest is and what they're vying for each time. And then it's just every episode, every the, every new season, you just kind of like jump to a different period in time. So like, start in ancient Egypt, then you can go to like, uh, Babylon, and the Mesopotamian area and shit like and then that. The Spart- like the Spartans. And then yeah, the one. then you move over to Greece, and then you move to Italy, Vikings, and then you can hit the Americas and all of this and like. You yeah, could you do can, it, and it could be a pretty decently long running. Like, obviously, we would just rehash literally everything they've done in the games. Yeah. But like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. No. Like, that's what I'm saying. Is like, it's, it's a yeah, it's a video game adaptation, but the stories are so good, you could stick to them, and just... you could stick to them pretty, pretty, like legit, like word for word almost. Like at least yeah. the cutscenes. Obviously, when you're free playing, it's whatever. And like some of the side missions, you can probably cut out. But like, who wouldn't want to see a version of Leonardo da Vinci that's just like, "Hey, dude, <sighs> here's this thing. Here's this invention I just I made to help this. to help you kill people from afar." Yeah, and I'm just like, "Oh, all right, <laughs> bet, this is awesome." I loved when I get met, got to meet up with Leonardo. Like, Leonardo gave guy. you the best shit. Literally. 
God, yeah, like, oh, I would just love, I remember even when I was playing them before the movie came out, I was like, they need to make something off of this because it is so good. Bro, that's how I feel about after Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, Red Dead Redemption 2 was just so beautifully made and written with so much detail and the voice acting from everyone that was a part of it was so amazing. I'm like, this isn't fair to, like, the older generation that doesn't put any stock into video games because this is an incredible story of redemption that, like, and it's a Western. So, like, yeah, like my dad, you know my dad, you know my dad. My dad doesn't, like, put much <laughs> stock into video games and everything, but my dad would love the story of Our Arthur dad. Morgan. But yeah. I'm never going to be able to get him to sit down and actually, you know, however long the, like, just doing the missions alone is still, like, you're still looking at, I think, like, almost a day worth of gameplay. <laughs> there's no, There's no sitting him down to do that. No. He doesn't have the attention span. He doesn't like video games like that. But I'm like, the story's incredible. And it's the same thing with like and it's the same thing with Assassin's Creed. Like that's that is what the purpose of what Hollywood needs to do better at because there are a generation and there's just people that don't get invested into video games, but some of the best stories that I have ever oh, yeah. seen have been from video games. The Assassin's Creed are great. Halo is fantastic, but we've already seen Paramount Plus ruin live-action Halo. <laughs> so, but like Halo, I didn't even see that. Halo yeah. is incredible. Red Dead Redemption is incredible. Assassin's Creed is incredible. Bro, you could do so many video games. Even like Jack and Daxter, like the Jack series, I love that. And there is an overlying mystery through the whole thing of like the ancient people or yeah. whatever. That yeah, and like like throw the best stories are video games, and not all the and not all of them have to be live-action. Like, some of the more mystical, magical ones, just, it's okay to make it. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse proved that people will go see an animated movie that knows what it's doing with its properties. Because that that movie made a crap ton of money, and that movie was amazing. Yeah. So, So, like, you can still make, like... The new Mario movie, you know, they're that's animated. They didn't go with the like. I love Good. I love Chris Pratt, but oof, that yeah, his voice. I don't know about that. His 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 voice. Like it's it's my like preconceived. It's accent, my bro. it's my preconceived notion of you know, all of these years of Mario sounding very Italian, and <laughs> he tr- I, that didn't even sound like an, a New York Italian accent that he was the boston accent i wouldn't say it was a boston i would say it's i would say it's a uh it was an attempt at an italian a new york italian accent that (laughs) from someone that has never actually heard and new york italian speak (laughs) that's fair but granted it was we only really did get that like brief little phrase of mushroom kingdom here i come or here we come or whatever whatever he says in that trailer so i mean who knows but I will say one thing: <laughs> Jack Black sounded amazing as Bowser. Yeah. So, like that, like we'll see how that one is. But like, there bro, are amazing holy... stories being told. Like, and that's The Last holy of shit, Us, bro. The Last of Us HBO series or HBO Max series. Have you seen the trailer for that? Because holy no. crap, it looks amazing. 
Scott. Uh, Assassin's Creed first came out in 2007, though. I, I was just looking. So it's been ripping for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's been ripping for a minute. Wow. God. It's just, yeah. So good. But they were also. Mm. So, yeah, that, that was my pitch was the Assassin's Creed. And I, I agree. I, like, in general, video game, video game. Video game adaptations, like. They need to. They they try to just get too create. They try to make it so people who didn't play the games will be interested in it, but they're losing all the people that are gonna go see it, which are the people that play the game. Well, like my biggest thing is like with most with any with anything that has a different source material or a previous source material, right? Mm hmm. The best way to make those movies successful is to find someone who loves the so- original source material and respects it, and then just let them have the creative freedom to complete That's, their vision. Yeah. Look, like, look, like Peter Jackson loves Lord of the Rings, loves Tolkien. Lord of the Rings, that Lord of the Rings, his Lord of the Rings trilogy, while it's not a perfect word for word copy and paste from the books like he still takes his own creative license with some with some parts we even had chris on here a few episodes ago talking about all the differences the briefly pointing out some differences between the books and his but those movies are fantastic because he oh, yeah. loved the source material and he was passionate about it and they warner it's warner brothers right yeah warner brothers backed off and actually let him do his vision and then look at what dave filoni and uh, John, John Favreau Father. have done with Star Wars. Yeah. Disney, thankfully, for once, and Kathleen Kennedy at, Lucas, at Lucasfilm had just backed off and let two guys that are passionate about the source material come up with new, creative, original stories within that universe. And it's the best things that Disney's put out for Star Wars. And you see the opposite, too, with Rings of Power getting their hands tied by the Tolkien estate. Yeah, that's true. Like they, they there's a lot they can't even show and that does that's it does it does it does hinder of, them and it and it did tie their hands a bit. Um yep. But yeah, like but it's just it's one of those things where it's like you just don't rush to make something just for a cash grab. Like your good projects will always make money in the end. The passion projects or what? So, like, find find the right people that know the source material, understands the fandom behind the source material, and respects it, and then just back off and let them do their thing. If it, like... Creative freedom is a magical thing. And... <laughs> yeah. Well, like, and there, here's another one. Todd Phillips with his Joker film. Oof. That was... That was DC and Warner Brothers literally just giving a dude who loves the comics and just like, hey man, do your thing. Same with uh, su- the Suicide or with Suicide Squad, where James Gunn, hey, the second one, yeah, James Gunn, <laughs> here's your, uh, here, here you go, do do what you want to do with it. And it was a completely different film than anything DC's made. It's way better. It's probably the, the best DCEU film. Granted, we'll we'll see if that stands up. Come next Black Friday. <laughs> Didn't it come out today? No, twenty first. Oh, 
21st. Well, I already have to go see that. Yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm literally going to see it 7 got, days from now. I already know what the end credit scene is. I got spoiled on well, TikTok. You shut your mouth then. I don't <laughs> That's why I don't use that devil app. <laughs> Bro, it, I was no warning or anything. It was just No spoil. I was like I was like, "Damn, you going to do me like that?" <laughs> well, don't tell Bro, me anything. Sorry. I'll find out come Literally again, seven days from now, I'll find out for myself. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But what do, do you have anything else? I do not. Okay. I well, I got Krista starting to watch House of the Dragon. She enjoys it. Well, she so we mad not before to. This. Oh oh uh, oh! <laughs> Real quick, since you brought up House of the Dragon. Uh, hmm. I was down there. I was down. I was over at my parents uh, a few nights ago, and my dad put on the first episode of House of Dragon. I'm like, uh, you're not gonna <laughs> like this. <laughs> and he's just like, and he's just, and he just kept watching. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you're not gonna like this. And I'm sitting there like trying to finish what I was trying, what I was there to do, so I could leave yeah. before anything happened. <laughs> because even at the age of 28, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> anytime there's even remote sexual things on a TV with just with my relationship I have with my parents, it's weird. It's weird and I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm just like, and I'm out. <laughs> so, and then I, Bro, I, I can't, but no, that's not even the f- worst part. I, the next day I see him. I'm just like, so what'd you think? And he, it moved too slow. It mo- what? That's what I said. <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, um, that's literally what we were saying about Rings of Power. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be able to handle Rings of Power then. Oh, I yeah, but yeah, because that was the other thing. My dad like, which is weird. So like, my dad loves The Witcher. Okay. So, like he's been watching The Witcher and he loves it. But like the first time he was watching it, like he threw it on when I was sitting there, and it was. He was on season one. Titties in the, no, he in was the... on season one. What was it? Episode five, is it? It's basically, it's it was the, no, it was the episode before where he goes to find Yennefer at that house that she took over and basically had that giant sex orgy uh-huh. going on. Yeah, it was the episode before that, and I watched it. because oh, And I was just like, and I was watching the, the episode before with him, and then I... Is like watch next episode and I see what the episode title was and everything and yeah, and I saw here. the still of her sitting at the end of the thing with her mask on and everything and I'm just like and I looked at <laughs> I looked at my parents I'm like let's not watch this please <laughs> let's stop watching this today we <laughs> let's go let's switch to not anything today. else please sir not today because like, I was just like please please no. <laughs> that's funny he, my, yeah but my dad did not read up uh, the, did not catch any of the indications I was saying with my inflection and look mom picked up on it she was like she, <laughs> she looked over she looked over at my dad and she was like let's put something else on him like, thank god you're like woo bullet doged <laughs> but okay you were saying it was Krista watching House of the Dragon, she's loving it. Yeah, no, that's what that's just what I'm gonna go do after this, I'm assuming. Bet I am going <laughs> Well, 
I have to work in the morning, and it is now officially 10.40 my time, so... There we go. I think this is a good time to sign off so I can not be super dead for work in the morning. <laughs> so if you have nothing else to share with the class... No, I got nothing. Alrighty. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and you lovely listeners out there, uh, thank you for spending some time with us once again this week, and we cannot wait to welcome you to the next chat. Goodbye. Bye, thank you.